Welcome to episode 21 of the Pogue McGold podcast. For me, it was, um, I've got 
three siblings. They're all older than me, and two of them are brothers. And one of them used to, um, or both of them used to pay on to go to watch Arsenal uh, at the North Bank, um, uh, or the clock end, wherever they could get in. And they, they, you know, their experience of that is that they they wouldn't really see any of it. They were just getting it was old terraces. They're getting pushed and pulled about. They might see the odd thing. They certainly wouldn't see any corners being taken or, you know, anything exciting happening because <laughs> everyone would, you know, be up and about and moving around. But my, my first experiences of football are were sitting at home, waiting for them to come home, watching teletext change, refresh every 30, 40 seconds or whatever it was, um, and being delighted that, you know, these people who I... You know, I didn't know, really know what they looked like or anything. I just knew that my brothers would be home and be excited and thinking, oh, A. Smith scored in the 64th minute. Brilliant, you know, just so I could kind of be a part of it. Um, and then in terms of that translated into Arsenal then got into the Cup Winners' Cup in 94. And it was on, it was every Tuesday or Thursday night and it was presented by Bob Wilson. And it, yeah, we, we won it. We won the Cup Winners' Cup and I thought, oh, this is easy. Being a football fan's easy. And then I was just old enough. There was about seven or eight. Um, first game was a Cup Winners' Cup game. I was obsessed with European club football from there on in. And, and like Liam, it was just sensory overload coming out of the train station and being swept along by a sea of people and people selling penny sweets and scarves and, you know, the smell of everything and you know, just kind of being pulled into the stadium. And, and if anyone's been to Highbury, any of your listeners, it's, it is it is the old school pub on every corner sort of ground. And I just remember everything going quiet and coming up the stairs and seeing the flash of green and pff, I was done. That was it. I'm, I'm, I'm a hopeless football romantic now for my sins. It gets me into it's brought me a lot of pain. <laughs> it's amazing how many people say the same thing, isn't it? Regardless of the level of that kind of walking up the steps in the stand and you see the green maybe on the floodlights for the first time. It, and I keep saying the kind of universality of football. It doesn't really matter where you are when you see that. In Ireland, we're infatuated with the English Premier League. There's obviously not as much money put into the League of Ireland than there would be of like, the Premiership. It's one thing supporting an English club and like, watching on TV, but when it comes to actual real football, go and see your own. The best thing about the League of Ireland, I think, are the fans. in the dock are packed out regularly. There's such more of a community thing in it. Which kind of brings us on to the premise of your podcast. So leave it to you guys to explain it. <laughs> well, Dale was the, he was the kind of a the one that came up with KD, he texted me one day and he asked me, um, originally he asked me, do you want to do a podcast based around me supporting Shamrock Rovers? And I said, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. And kind of, we were kind of thinking of a few ideas we could do, you know, like meeting a few fans, um, showing them around the stadium. Um, but then he kind of, I think he might have, you know, had a look at the league himself, read a little bit about it or something. And he said, do you know what, maybe we'll, maybe we'll think of just, me supporting 
a, cl- a different club. Like I'm, I'm trying to find a club in the League of Ireland as opposed to being forced into Shamrock Rovers because I'm a fan of Shamrock Rovers. But um, Dale, what's your experience of how it came about, really? Yeah, it was it was a voice note, and I think that the original voice note was about it was initially about Shamrock Rovers. I mean, Liam's a massive Rovers fan. Um, Tala's sort of handy enough for me, twenty minute drive away, I suppose. So that, that that seemed like a really good fit. And then I yeah, like I just looked at all the teams like, oh, I recognise that St Pat's Athletic, and I've got memories of uh, when I was a uh, child, I used to get sent over to Leitrim for my summer holidays. Um, and at the time, Longford Town were were really good, and I I thought, oh maybe Long I, I should support Longford because of that. And then I just had a million questions, and we thought, let's record it. We were having lots of chats about the League of Ireland, um, and, and we thought we'll put it out there, see if anybody listens. And they did, <laughs> and they got in contact, and uh, I get hassled about it every week about, oh no, support these. And the universal message is, don't pick Shamrock Rovers, right? That is the <laughs> universally accepted uh, hashtag League of Ireland family response to the podcast. But we're missing one little piece is that how have you ended up in Ireland? So my wife is Irish um, yeah. and I met her, God, a million years ago now. We met in Manchester, then we moved to London uh, and we actually started a family in London and we were going to settle and then she she wanted to come home, you know, and I wasn't going to stand in her way of doing that at all. We 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 lived in the UK for ten years, and I said, look, we'll give it a go. Um, you know, we lived a twenty minute walk from Emirates Stadium, and it was really handy for me to walk down the hill there, and you know, be back in no time at all afterwards. Um, yeah, and I got over here and was doing the whole watching Arsenal on the TV thing, and. We were trying to get the mortgage, so I wasn't really able to fly back and forth. And then COVID happened and it was a real, it was really difficult. It was really difficult to stop going to Arsenal. It, it, it's a really big part of my identity and my routine, the relationship that I have with my brothers. I know it sounds crazy. We we talk all the time. You know, I, I could say, I'm just going to ring my brother and my wife will go, oh, how's the baby? And I'll, I don't know. I know that he yeah. thinks Martin Erd got should start in a deeper position or <laughs> Arteta's got too many backroom staff, but I've got no idea how his family are doing at all. Um, so it was, a, it was a huge bit that was ripped away from me and I, I just want to go, you know, I miss the buzz of being in the ground. Um, and here we are now on this, we, I think we're nearing the end of the journey. I remember one day Dale saying to me, you know, he, he had watched Arsenal. I don't know if it was in the Europa League or whatever it was, but he came he came into work the next day and he said, is this how Irish people experience football? Mm-hmm. As in watching it on TV. And I had to help ha- ha- put my hand up and say, the majority of people do experience like that. And he just said, I, I can't hack that. That's, yeah, that's, that's not football for me. God, yeah. Oh, make sure I'm at home for 7.45 to watch the Champions League game. Or something. Now, that's how I watch... Man United and Chelsea and Liverpool. That's not how I, I watch my team. I have to be there, and I suppose I, because I was I was going from such a young age, and there was always a scramble to get tickets, and it was really difficult to get tickets for Arsenal for a while. There was a period of a couple of years where I couldn't go to Arsenal, so because we couldn't get tickets, and my brother would take me to Wimbledon or Crystal Palace on a Saturday, and then we played Champions League games at Wembley, and that opened it all up again, really, and and me being able to go and watch them again I just I, I kind of never wanted to to lose that um, 
I, I couldn't understand that I'm going to rush home and, and watch Man United. And people are driving past Tala Stadium to do that. Something, something that happened during the lockdown, which I, I said to Liam, was I drove past Tala Stadium on a night where the island, uh, the women's team was playing at Tala Stadium. And uh, they had a European Championship qualifier against Sweden or a World Cup qualifier. And I drove past Tala Stadium and I saw the lights on and I just felt it. I thought, you've got to, you've got to go to games. I can't believe people can can drive past and walk past these stadium, this stadium uh, in any part of the country and, and not be drawn into it. I don't know. It's just a, just a different fan culture, I suppose. It goes to the heart of many conversations that football people in Ireland have and your podcast is flipping it a little bit because as Liam said that is the football experience for the majority of Irish people and now you being introduced to the League of Ireland I mean some people will say now you know why we look at the Premier League (laughs) and it's apples and oranges the standard and everything so what is your initial impressions for you is it it's just live football or what is your impressions of the league of ireland having been kind of parachuted in to experience it yeah if i take my son to the playground and people are playing 11 aside i'll stop for 10 minutes you know i can't i can't i can't not watch football when it's when it's, when it's plated up in front of me and you know a lot of people will say that Irish football and sorry, the League of Ireland is about the fans and the the smoke and the fireworks and the. But my first experience of it actually initially was on the TV, um, you know, just to try and get a taste of it and and try and figure things out. I think I probably watched thirty games before I went to my first game because the stadium was closed. And my experience of it is, I think the standard is good. I I mean, I don't. I'm not going to sit there and say. It's not the same as watching PSG on a on a Wednesday night, but it is. It's a league full of committed, talented footballers, and you know, probably apart from Shamrock Rovers and Shelburne last season, so well matched. You know, there's there's, there's there there isn't a gap in quality between the teams in the league, and that's what makes football brilliant. You know, it's not about Okay, Messi coming up against Ronaldo. It's about these two guys are the same standard, so you're going to get a three-all draw or a nil-nil draw, and there'll be blood and guts and thunder. So for me, the standard in inverted commas isn't important. It's all the stuff that goes with it. And Liam, he's kind of a like-minded co-host for you. But how would how did you sell it to him, especially when there's no fans in the stadiums? Yeah, and initially when we started out, I I was thinking, oh, this is gonna last a week or two. He's gonna, he's gonna experience the League of Ireland. And he's gonna laugh at me, you know, because there is that fear with every League of Ireland fan that you introduce someone, and I've done it with plenty of people in the past. You introduce them, and you know, after a game or two, they give up because they just think this isn't the Premier League, you know, and that's people's idea of football for the most part in Ireland, as I said. So when you bring them to, you know. Richmond Park or you bring them to Tolga or up to the away end and Dundalk or something and their experience of that football and the view that you have or the the facilities that's there you know there was a fear in me that this podcast is going to last two episodes and it's going to be out there for people to see that someone can't come into the league and love the league so um, 
I suppose our first episode, we just we just sat down. We, we didn't know what we were going to talk about, and we just <laughs> spoke. We just spoke about football, and we didn't realise we had been speaking for about forty minutes. Um, Dale hadn't a clue about League of Ireland at that stage, but we spoke, you know, of our experiences of football, and we started off a segment called First Impressions, where Dale just had a look at a club for a week. Uh, I asked him, you know, what's your first impression of that club, and and we got onto that. But I think that the day that Dale was sold on the League of Ireland was when we were invited up to Drogheda by the chairman. Um, there was no fans in the, in the stadium, and I was thinking he's gonna see a head in the game park, and he's gonna walk away thinking, right, this definitely isn't for me. And he walked out. He saw the green grass. It was the same. It was like the exact same experience. He just thought, wow, I'm back in a stadium. The game was. It was a great game. Yeah, it was 4-1 or 4-2. It was brilliant. Yeah, there was some great goals. Um, I remember Jordan Adiemo came off the bench and scored a cracker. Um, but it was just that experience of being in the stadium again. And I think Dale was hooked by the fact that we didn't realise it was the chairman that invited us up. <laughs> I thought it was we, a fan. <laughs> we arrived in the gate and we were saying, uh, you know, uh, there's a guy, Connor, he's, he asked us to come up and ask for tickets at the, at the gate or whatever. And... Uh, some lady comes over and she says, uh, oh, yeah, the chairman, he's waiting over there at the, at the oh, coffee shop. Oh, no. Oh, God, <laughs> he kicked out. <laughs> so I think Dale's experience then was sort of like, this is a real community-based league where people get to rub shoulders with the chairman or with the players. And afterwards, we stood on the pitch, you know, chatting to, um, you know, backroom staff of the Longford team and stuff. So I think Dale's experience then was, I can be a real part of this league as yeah. opposed to just a spectator I felt I did feel that night I, was like, I can have access to this league you know in ways that I think I met Ian Wright when I was seven and that's the closest I've ever had to like having access right and I was just asking him how many kickups he could do because right? I didn't really understand what was going on in football but you know that night we went to Drogheda we actually to, to, to go to the bit where we had to, to to sit or stand or whatever we had to walk across the pitch and I just felt like I was part of it immediately the chairman's there bollocking a right back because he's kicked one over the stand and he's going that's going to cost me 90 quid you know and I just thought this is this is brilliant this is you know it's normally somebody kicking off it's it's it's, it's coach staff kicking off because they've lost their shape or something but the fact that he's lost the 90 euro ball I thought I can I can be on board with this big time I just loved it what about the coverage we spoke when I was on your podcast, like you've both watched football in other countries and the Premier League and everything. But having arrived here, what's your impressions of the general perception amongst the public, the coverage or lack of? I feel like there was a few embarrassing things that happened last year. And I think Liam realised I was, I was sort of becoming well integrated with the league when I became really frustrated with that because the first few weeks I was watching it was the start of last season and I had a, I was thinking to myself, right, I've got a game every Friday night on the TV until the, the stadium opened and I've got my League of Ireland pass. And I really liked watching the games on RTE and, and, and having the coverage. And I think it got to week four and I said to myself, oh, I'm just going to throw on whatever game was on. I didn't even know what game was on. And there was an episode of Young Sheldon, eight o'clock on a Friday night. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was despairing because... You've got a captive audience of people, you know, young kids. It's the only like free to air football they might get that week. And you're putting a rerun of an American sitcom on. I know, look, it might, I've never watched it. It might be a great show, right? But people, you, you've set us up for a routine of having football 
at half seven or eight o'clock every Friday night, and then you just you've just taken it away. And I've been I was there were so many things that frustrated me last season, like the infographic with the kits from two seasons ago. It seems it's not even a disrespect. Sometimes there's a contempt around the league. You know, there's a there's a, a mockery of fans who haven't tried it or haven't sampled it. There's networks don't seem to take it seriously. The government certainly didn't, you know, when there's 40,000 behind the, the goal at Crow Park for a, a hurling semi-final and the same week Shamrock Rovers got told you're going down from 1,000 fans to 500 this week to keep you in line with the rest of the league. I just, it, it was wrecking my head that I couldn't access this product as freely as I can other things you know and it's your people love football in Ireland they love it you see that when you see kids running around my estate in Liverpool Man United and Man, Man City shirts for some reason um but you know I, I, I want to say buy your kids a shells kit and take them to Tolka do you know St Pat's is down the road Shamrock Rose is a great club you know, they'll get. I think case in point for me in, in terms of coverage is my nephew. Watch, I, I've got nephews over here, and he's a big Arsenal fan because of me, and he watches a lot of that on the TV. And I took him to the FAI Cup final, and I was quite tactical about that. I could have taken him to Tolka, or you know, I could have taken him <clears throat> any of the grounds, but I wanted to take him to a big, full stadium with the buzz. And he he came in, he looked around, and he got it. The penny drops for him straight away that this is how you watch football. And since then, he wants to know, can we go here? Can we go there? And it's going to give me a really good excuse to get loads of games in. Because I say, oh, I've, just, I've got to take him, you know. He's really pecking my head about it. So I suppose the bizarre thing, Liam, is the grievances Dale has said there is that it's actually a bit better than it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you'd agree. I mean, last year, Dale was kind of spoiled for choice with the League of Ireland TV, um, the online app that, you know, you could access every game. And I think the subscription was, I think it was 70 or 80 euro for a season pass. And last season I was thinking, this is great. You know, Dale gets to experience this much football. But always in the back of my mind, I was like, when this goes, he's going to, you know, really Impl- implode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this season, for whatever reason, I've heard it might be from, you know, the clubs have, I think, requested that every game isn't in a season pass for LOTV to get fans into stadiums. Um, but for some, for, for some reason, that's obviously part of it there is no season pass and for people that live abroad for people that listen to our podcast we've plenty of people that listen they've never been to ireland but they listen to our podcast yeah they watch league of ireland um they won't get access to league of ireland games now um you know the full package that they could have had but yeah, you're right in saying before league of ireland tv and now coming in again the coverage was was terrible i remember one of my first experiences of watching League of Ireland on TV was, um, I think, on TG Cahar. He used to be on a Thursday night or something. Um, you know, and I didn't have, you know, much Irish at the time or whatever. But, like, it's just the fact that even RTE just won't take it on as as the, the national broadcaster to to show a match once a week. That's all, that's all we're asking. One match, one night a week. Yeah like every other nation does. And you probably heard uh, the head of RT Sport was at League of Ireland Central he did the the interview with. And he said, you know, if it gets the audiences, we'll show it. But what about the onus on uh, the public broadcaster to show our National Football League? I mean, 
we could be here all day talking about it, but everything, every facet of Irish sport or football life seems to be pulled towards England. Um, You'll see that with match reports on RTE website from the Premier League. Like, why does a Southampton match report need to be on the RTE website? Would you go there to read? (laughs) Would you go to RTE to read a Southampton match report? It's just... I think we could we could vent our frustrations, but I don't want to do that. I want to celebrate what you have experienced with the league. And so the premise essentially of your podcast is you've arrived in Ireland and you're open to following any club and people are coming on pitching the merits of their club to you. So what what have been for both of you, what have been some of the highlights so far? My highlight and, and one that was um we started a new segment last week which was fans you know answering a few questions through a voicemail kind of a a call-in segment and one of the moments that we or one of the questions that we asked was uh what's your what was your favorite moment of our podcast and it just kept coming through from everybody and it was it was also my favorite moment was a Galway United fan Julian Canney Um, he's well known in the league uh we interviewed him about Galway, Galway United and Dale asked that the final question you know so why should I support Galway United? And, you know, deadpan, Julian turns around and he goes, well, if you had any sense, you wouldn't support Galway United. <laughs> just reeled off how painful it is. <laughs> it, it just, it just, it just, you know, it brought it back down to, you know, this will be difficult, whoever you choose. If you, unless you choose Shamrock Rovers or the Dock in, in, you know, very recent past, um, you're going to be hurt by these League of Ireland clubs. And it's not just losing matches or relegation battles. You're talking about, you know, being on the, the on the breadline of football sometimes where your club might go out of existence um, or it could go out of existence and rise like a phoenix two weeks later with a new owner or a uh, new investment. Um, so I just, I think Julian's, uh, Julian Canney's comments summed up how a League of Ireland fan experiences their club, as in, I love my club, but if you had any sense, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. be for you. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think for me, um, yeah, I, I mean, I did love that, and and it, it's the interviews with the fans, for me, because we, you know, we're going from, we've got people on the terrace every week, club historians, chairman, that sort of thing, a, a wide range of people, but there was one where we rang. Um, where we we contacted the guys from the Talkie Streety podcast, you know, and they they were just football's back in Limerick, and they if you haven't listened to that podcast and you you love football, just listen to them talk every week for forty five minutes. They are hilarious, diehard, fanatical football fans. Um, but we had uh, Kevin on, um, and you know he, he answered the call, and I said, this guy's this guy's in a car. Like normally, people are sat up at their kitchen table and they've written a couple of bits down. I said, this guy's this guy's in his car. He's not taking this seriously at all. Um, and then I said, oh, what are you up to there? You're out and about. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm just. And he turned the phone on. I'm just watching the under 15s play here. <laughs> but, wow. Oh, this guy <laughs> loves his football. He's down, you know he's doing he's recording the interview for us and he's not looking at the screen. He's his head's going up and down, bobbing up and down because he's down watching the under 15s or under 16s or whatever it was. And I just thought. These guys love their football. They just, they love their football. I want to be, I want to be in there with them. And now that we can go back to the games, have you been along to a few or what has struck you about 
live football in Ireland? It, it's, it's the variety. I think there's, there's such a huge mix um, of, of things happening at games. I, I took my dad to Tala. My dad has picked Shamrock Rovers. Um, and, you know, my early football experience is going to Highbury with, with him. I, I returned the favour and brought him to his first Shamrock Rovers game. That was a great experience because I was welcomed with open arms by everybody and, you know, they just wanted to pin me down, make sure you pick Shamrock Rovers, that sort of thing. That was brilliant. That really, because from the outside, I've said this on the podcast, Taller is, is pitched as the Death Star, right? <laughs> They're looking to bring down the league. They, Shamrock Rovers are good for the league, right? They're good for the league. Having having a polished stadium and, and having the, the proper facilities in there is, is a good thing for the league, you know? Um that was a great experience. Going to Head in the Game Park, having not, you know, that was behind closed doors. Football was a, was a was a great experience. Just getting it back because you know even eleven aside in the park wasn't being played. I'd literally hadn't watched anyone play football in the flesh probably in eighteen months, and and that's crazy for me. Um, the 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 placement of Inchicore, you know, of of the Pat Stadium Inchicore for me is is just brilliant. Um, you know, right in the middle of a community, bang in the middle of a, a community and bars and just, it it felt like one of those ones where the, the stadium was just dragging people in on a Friday night. I found Bray odd, you know, everyone was, fr- I think the, the atmosphere, I went to a um, playoff game with Galway and Bray and it was just freezing. I think everyone was so cold, they couldn't get up the they couldn't muster up the strength to sing a song <laughs> or to get behind their team. The game was um, beyond flat in terms of atmosphere. Uh, I'm trying to fit. I, I think the thing that they all have in common is the the commitment and the desire of fans to be there. You know, um, through hell or high water. You know, it, it's it's it, it's difficult. Maybe you know, you're talking about standard to go down and watch your local team when Friday night football's on at Sky and it's nice and warm to go and stand in the cold in Bray. Um, and I've just I've just found the fans fantastic and brilliant. And this is why I find it really hard. I'm going to find it really hard. And when I get, you know, down to the final five teams now, to, and it's really difficult now to say, sorry, it's not you. You know, it's going to be somebody else. Because you've, I've, I've created these relationships with people and they talk to me every week about, oh, did you see this? And here's an article about something that happened in 1975. And this is another reason why you shouldn't pick Shamrock Rovers. But ha- ha- like, I feel like th- there has been a case where I've gone, look, I'm not picking this team and the communication's cut off. And I've, I've missed talking football with these people every week. You know, I-, I lose them because I didn't pick their team. So I don't know. It's, it's a cocktail of like really brilliant things, the League of Ireland. And so is Rovers one of the final five? Rovers is one of the final five, yeah. It's one of the final five. I think it might it, it might be a case where it's going to come down to Rovers and one other, you know, it, it, in a, a battle for the death at the end, and it will be a Star Wars style, <laughs> light and dark, choose. <laughs> so, Liam, you have an elevator pitch for Shamrock Rovers. What do you say? Well, I mean, Dale has been to Tala. He's 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 met the people. He's spoken to to Prof. He's spoken to Gary P. Um, you know, they've welcomed with open arms. And I think uh, you know Gary Parsons of the Tales to the East End podcast said it perfectly when he said, "Rovers is a way of life." 
Um, you know, and as Dale said, like people in Ireland, they have the easy option of watching football on TV because you can turn off your TV and the football's done. Whereas with Rovers, you're invested. Every Friday, you're invested, whether it's home and away. Um, and the crowds that Rovers bring to away games, I know that's very important to Dale, is having a massive crowd that travel home and away to support your team. Uh, and not only that, but we're guaranteed Champions League football this season, <laughs> and probably for a few seasons to come, <laughs> which Dale is obsessed with because Arsenal never get that. So, oh, um, we'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a state-of-the-art stadium uh, to be finished this season as well. I mean, it's, it is a good pitch, Dale. Uh, my fellow co-editor, Paul McGold Key, is a Bose fan. He won't like me saying. Liam, would you agree, and I asked on our last podcast with the authors, McDara and Ferris and Owen Rice, that it feels like the league is making that crossover. Where it's become... with. You know, you could talk about Brexit and all these kind of things. It's become a younger league, a more technical league. Players are getting into international squads. The senior international squad, I mean, Jack Byrne back at Rovers will be eyeing a return. Richie Towell perhaps eyeing a call-up. And even the FAI are putting some attention on it. You have to laugh at the... You talk about the Star Wars battles, but the battles between the schoolboy structures and League of Ireland and all this kind of stuff, which we could go into for hours, Dale, but... I saw a comment about uh, a school... It was a Dublin... One of the Dublin schoolboys league and the guy said the FAI are obsessed with the League of Ireland to the detriment of the schoolboys. I mean, that is the first time in a 100 years that the FAI has shown any attention to the League of Ireland. But I've gone off on a on a tangent, but my, my basic observation to you first, Liam, is that perhaps the league is on the, on the up or on the precipice of a, a breakthrough. I think it is, and I think it's down to a few different things. Like, you know, you, you mentioned there's been that battle between the schoolboy and the creation of the national leagues, but now that we have the national leagues in place, that there is a there is a springboard for players to to work themselves up towards the League of Ireland and and to stay in the League of Ireland. Like a lot of the players that are going abroad now are going abroad much later. Um, uh, you know, Gavin Bazunu stayed to do his leave insert before he moved across. Um, and James Banquet is going to Udinese, but he's also doing his leave insert. But as well as that, I think with Brexit, with the pandemic as well, I think I think people went back into themselves as a community and looked at what can I do in my own community. You know, when there was nothing to do, people were looking for stuff to do in, in Ireland. And I think the League of Ireland kind of shone bright in terms of like, if you look at, you know, as much as I'm a rival of them, like Bows in the community have been absolutely outstanding. You know, they've reached out so much in the community on community initiatives. And um, I think it was Pats at one stage were, were collecting uh, food banks and, um, you know, clothes banks and stuff for people. Um, I think the League of Ireland has worked so hard in the community recently. And I think people are starting to to give back to the League of Ireland because they've noticed that it probably is right to, to to follow your local club and and to invest in in the local community and stuff, um. But yeah, like if you, if you look at last year's FAI Cup final, like Dale texted me after that and he said that's one of the best atmospheres I've experienced yeah. at a football yeah, match. I've been to all sorts of cup finals and that was that's phenomenal. And forty percent of the ground was neutral. It was phenomenal. Yeah. But it it just it does feel, as you said, James, that we're on the cusp of something here, and. Like there's a there's 
a record uh, season ticket sales at nearly every club in the league this season. And I know Shamrock Rovers have almost 3,500 season tickets sold, which in League of Ireland terms is massive. Um, you know, Ticket Solve, I think, is the name of the ticket company that do all the tickets. They've said there's going to be a record attendance across the season of 600,000 people. Yeah, so all, all the projections are amazing. And I'm just, I'm afraid that the facilities, because they're not mm-hmm. there, we're going to have fans locked out of stadiums, which, you know, would never have been thought about three or four years ago. You know, it was so easy to get a League of Ireland ticket. But now it seems like they're they're becoming sort of a gold dust. But would, would the, would it, I, my view on that is if there's a supply and demand issue, people are going to say, do you know what? I can't get you a ticket for Brandywell this week, but I'll take you in two weeks' time. And, you know, oh, they didn't get to the Shamrock Rovers game, but, you know, they might, you know, I'm going to take you to the Drogheda game in two weeks. I think people being locked out is going to be a good thing. It's like, oh, there's a bit of a buzz. Uh, have you, you know, you've got to go on a line at Wednesday at 9am and get your tickets. So I, Tolka, I know a lot of it was to do with Damien Duff. Tolka was rocking. It was packed the other night. And it was it, it makes it actually makes the TV viewing experience better. I know that in, in the National Football League in, in, America, in America, they if, you, if your stadium is a certain amount full, they, they, you get more money per game, right? And I know that's why Italian football had problems uh, selling itself abroad, even when it had the best teams in the world. If the, if the stands are empty, people don't want to watch football. And I think Tolka looked like, you know, the other night, you know, I watched that one on the, on the TV, unfortunately, instead of being there. But that looked like when, a, a, you know, an FA Cup third round and a non-league team's got there and they're playing Man United at home and it's packed because everyone in the town wanted a ticket. Even if they haven't been before, they wanted to be there to see Damien Duff I think it's the same case for Shamrock Rovers Derry. That that sold out in what was it under twenty minutes? Yeah, I think this is going to be great. P- people being locked out is actually be a good thing. We need to harness it, though. There's an opportunity for all stakeholders for the FAI, and I know they have a league office now, which they didn't before. They're talking about approaching government for investment. Dale, do you sense this kind of opportunity there for the taking to? make it more central you and even the whole Stephen Kenny thing having come from the league do you as a kind of outsider or newbie feel this groundswell that there's a there's a real opportunity here I, I Liam and I have a, a unique perspective because we're school teachers right and our students are going to Rovers and Pats every Friday every right. Friday night they're going to Rovers or Pats that's that's where our school's situated they're the two clubs you know we have very few fans of it there's a couple of Sligo fans in there (laughs) extraordinarily but they're they're going to Rovers and Pats and I think that's a huge bit I think Shamrock Rovers the under 14 season to get is 25 quid is that right Liam yeah it's 25 how many games they get for that you're getting you're getting 18 home games and access to away tickets to European tickets it's for 25 quid that is it's crazy money. It's phenomenal value. And there's people asking their parents to to take them down. So I I see that buzz. And, you know, at, when I first moved over, you know, the first few months I was here, before, like pre-pandemic, people weren't going, the kids weren't going to League of Ireland games. The odd one was. But now that seems to have flipped and it's, oh, we get, we get the bus down from here and we get a burger here and then we go into the game because it's, it's so cheap and you get to go and watch football and, it's a Friday night and Liverpool aren't on. So I'm, I'm going to get in and watch Pats and get in and watch um, Rovers. So 
I think there is a massive opportunity there. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what they do with it. I, I don't know what the powers that be do with it. I, I think, you know, Liam and I have been at Logheads over this. I think the Euros bid would be brilliant. You know, I know a lot of League of Ireland fans don't um, in terms of harnessing that and, and keeping keeping a focus on people going to football games, you know, instead of just watching them on the TV. I was going to hold that, but why don't we jump into it? Because you two had a robust debate on one of your episodes about the merits of Ireland bidding to co-host Euro 2028 along with the home nations, if you like. And Dale, you've kind of said, you know, for the match-going experience, it would be a good thing. And Liam had some other thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think, look, by the time that Euros comes around, it's probably going to be up at 32 teams, right? I would say. So I think they'll all get automatic qualification for it, the Ireland and, and the, the home nations. So that's one thing. You're guaranteed entry into a group and then you get th- you'll get you get three home games at the Aviva, m- minimum, right? I, I grew up around Wembley Stadium during Euro 96. And if I've said to Liam before, if England win the World Cup, nothing will top what that felt like as a kid. And I know that kids in Sligo might not get that experience or whatever, but a massive proportion of the League of Ireland clubs are in Dublin. When the expansion happens, they're going to be in, there'll be an extra couple of Dublin ones as well. So those ones living in and around Dublin, seeing Dutch people walk down the street from an Airbnb, seeing you know Spanish football fans with their flags walking down the road, that's Un, that is unbeatable. That is unmatchable in terms of getting a buzz, you know, and and then being in town for a few weeks, you know, seeing d- different people going to games. So there's there's that aspect of it for me. I think the other aspect is Liam. You know, sound, sound like I'm on one of those RT political debates. Liam's going to come on in a minute and tell you that the money <laughs> should be invested in grassroots, right? I don't think there's an either or here. I don't think the money is going to be invested in grassroots. It's been ignored for long enough. So it's a standalone option. Do you want a Euros or do you not want a Euros? They're not saying, okay, we've got X amount of million euro. We can put it here or there. They want the big shiny thing. You know, they don't want the problem child. So take the Euros if it's being offered. And it's a it's unique opportunity because England aren't allowed to host an op- uh, a tournament because everyone hates England, right? All the UEFA nations hate England. People in Ireland, you know, for various reasons, rightly, hate the English. But we've got the infrastructure and the stadia. People love the home nations. They love Ireland. Ireland is universally loved abroad. But Ireland doesn't have the infrastructure in terms of stadia and travel to host it. So just put your name on an England bid. People will be like, it's great to send a tournament to Ireland. England will get a load of games, Ireland will get a load of games, and we can all live happily ever after. Over to you, Liam, <laughs> to counter. <laughs> Dale kind of brought in his conclusion before I even got a chance to come in there. <laughs> because we've had this de- debate before, he, he knows where, where it was leading. So, um, no, I'd be of the opinion, like, Dale lived 20 minutes or whatever it was from Wembley, so he experienced the match day buzz of the Euros. He experienced all of that you know, the Euros was in his backyard. But I, what I said was for a child from Sligo or Longford or, you know, Donegal or Waterford, Galway, anywhere outside of Dublin and anywhere outside of Dublin 4, 
you're not going to experience the Euros. You're going to experience this football on TV, which is kind of what we all experience anyway. There's only there's only 50,000 people that can fit into the, the Aviva on any given day. And how many of those will be regular going punters? Um, you know, it's probably not that many. And what, what I would rather is if the FAI were to really take football in Ireland seriously, they'd probably bid for the, the women's Euros. Um, and they would be able to spread the football around the country, Ireland hosting the women's Euros or the women's World Cup or whatever. And that would force them to, to you know, invest in stadia around the country that would be of, you know, a 10,000 seater size or a 7,000 seater size, um, which is both investing in the League of Ireland, but also bringing football to Ireland to the masses and especially football that's grown at the minute. The women's football in Ireland is again on the cusp of a massive breakthrough with, with, with Vera Powell's team and, um, you know, yeah, Katie McCabe over in Arsenal, like Arsenal-Liverpool FA Cup game is on RTE mm. uh, because of Katie yeah. Taylor's involvement, or Dave's involvement, sorry. That's a whole other debate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it, women's football in Ireland is, is on the up. It's been ignored for quite some time, more so than the League of Ireland. So let's kind of join the two in sense of you might get investment in the League of Ireland, but also grow the women's game in the country if we if we bid for the women's Euros. Yeah, I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I think I'm old enough and cynical enough to think that there won't be any benefit of hosting the Euros. I'll, but I I would be quite proud to see like Dublin there written in the middle of the pitch as you're looking across. I think it would be brilliant to have fans around uh, the streets of Dublin. But I mean, the, the redeveloped Daily Mount was supposed to be a legacy of hosting Euro 2020. Now, we didn't end up hosting the games, as we know. So probably they didn't, the FAI didn't get the money they were thinking they were going to get. But we're no closer to a redeveloped Daily Mount Park and the tournament is finished. And so, yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. I think I think what, what helps is to keep the pressure on, is to have these conversations, is to keep mentioning, saying, why are you hosting the Euros? Why aren't you investing it in the domestic league? And I think it doesn't hurt to keep saying that. There is one question I wanted to ask Dale, is that I don't know who your five are, and I think we let listeners tune in to Friday Live to find out how the story goes. But, and I don't like the term provincial clubs, but if you end up picking a provincial club, are you committing to travelling the country every Friday or second Friday? I think the only provincial one left, I suppose, is Finn Harps, right? Christ! (laughs) (laughs) Please pick Finn Harps. It won't go away. It just... It's just there. Now, I don't think I will be going up to Donegal every other Friday, but it's such a great opportunity. There's, there are so many Dublin clubs to go to away games. I could go to Tolka one week. I could be at Tala the next and Inchicore the next. And actually, it would make it makes no sense, Finn Harps, but then it makes loads of sense because then I, I, I get the variety, you know, of going to different grounds every week. Um, and I've got two young kids as well, so I don't think... A season ticket's going to work for me anyway for, you know, another couple of years. So Finn Harps would really work <laughs> in, yeah. in that sense. And it's just a lovely club with lovely people. 
I understand if they get relegated, I've got no doubling clubs to go and watch next season. But <laughs> here we are. But even the the advent of social media and following a club via social media or, or video or TV is a quite unique take for Ireland, for an Irish club. Uh, lads, before we finish, relatively new into the season, I want to ask both of you what you're most looking forward to in the year ahead, including the conclusion to the Premier League, the European leagues and a Nations League for Ireland. We didn't, didn't even get to Stephen Kenny, but if you wish to bring it in now, what, what are you looking forward to in the year ahead, Liam? Um, I'm most looking forward to Pack Stadia in, in the League yeah, of Ireland and, and seeing, seeing the buzz post-pandemic within the League of Ireland and see if that you know cusp of greatness is achieved by, by the clubs and, as you said, all the stakeholders. Um, on top of that, I'd love to see Stephen Kenny going well in, in the in the Nations League and, you know, being given a new contract uh, and hopefully going ahead to to look towards the next Euros campaign. Um, I met him outside Tallis Stadium last week and the first thing he said to me, he's a true football man, he said, isn't it great to see these crowds in the League of Ireland? It's just the man lives and breathes football and I wish the complete best for him. I, I totally agree with the full stadia. I just, I want to see packed houses now going to games here. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Arsenal back in the Champions League in September. I'm starting to believe that's going to happen. But, you know, Arsenal in the Champions League has been a painful experience and we had deja vu every year. We'd get beaten 3-0 in the first leg or 3-1 and then not have enough away goals to go through in the second leg after beating Bayern Munich or someone. But I just think I'm looking at this Arsenal team at the moment and they don't have the post-traumatic stress disorder attached to the Champions League. They could be one of those young, fearless teams when Malaga went deep or when Dortmund have gone deep a couple of times. I'm starting to believe, because I'm an idiot, I'm starting to believe that we could do quite well. So there's that. Um, in, in terms of Nations, I, I think that Ireland's campaign in Nations League, it's, it, it's provided an excellent way in to a major tournament. And I think if Ireland qualify for a Euros in Germany, it would just be... We could take the podcast on the road. It would be wonderful. (laughs) I'm also an Arsenal fan, Dale. And I think, as we spoke about at the start, you've just talked very eloquently there about Arsenal and your hopes for them. But we spent the last 35, 40 minutes talking about the League of Ireland. And I think it doesn't have to be either or. For a lot of Irish football fans, it does seem to be either or. So while you haven't yet picked a club you fall in love with it sounds like you've fallen in love with the league of ireland oh 100 percent. yeah yeah I've, I've, <laughs> this is the thing I, I kind of wish it was like the nfl where you could just buy league of ireland merch now just go to a game with a league of ireland cap on and say come on everyone <laughs> <laughs> i just want a five all draw and just go home and enjoy because what, what's great about it is and i never understood these people who never had a team is my week has yet to be ruined. There was one, there was one, I've had one moment, I suppose, where Wexford nearly got a point after like eight losses in a row and I was really, really rooting for them and they conceded really late on. And that's the first time I had a moment where I was like, oh, you know, that moment of of pain um, attached to it. But I, I, I think because I haven't, got that attachment I can there's an enjoyment there that I've never really had with football because no one's going to let me down you know 
I, I suppose I haven't felt this way about football since Euro 2008 when England didn't qualify. And I thought, this is great. I'm not stressed out. I'm not panicking. I'm not going, well, if they qualify and they get this, they're going to play us here. I can just watch it and relax. So that's what it means to me at the moment. I'm about to spoil all of that. Yeah, he has to pick a club, Liam. That's when it all changes. 100%. It sounds, it sounds like he's changing his tune there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sitting on the fence, all the fences. If I choose Kilkenny uh, or Carlo and just wait for the third tier for five years, that would be really good. That's not a bad shout at all. <laughs> Lads, it's been a thoroughly enjoyable chat. Uh, Liam, where can people find your podcast? Yeah, we're at Friday Live, L-O-I-V-E, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can listen to us on all uh, all places you get your podcasts, well, Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, etc. I think it's a great addition to all the League of Ireland content out there. It's different. And sometimes the most critical people of, of the League of Ireland are League of Ireland people. So it's refreshing to hear an outsider although i was going to say you're not an outsider anymore but you're always going to be an outsider dale as you'll probably (laughs) have found out after moving here but it is a refreshing perspective to find that it is just football at the end of the day and what you both spoke about at the start that live experience seeing the pitch for the first time even going to draw it out with nobody there it's been a pleasure chatting to you and uh, i'll be tuning in to see who you do pick thanks very much lads Thanks very much, Jimmy. Thanks very much. And that's it for the latest episode of the Pome Go podcast. Drop us a rating or subscribe wherever you get your pods and toggle back for previous shows. Don't forget, you can order issue 7 of the magazine online on our website. 76 pages of quality writing, illustration and photography from across the globe. Join us next time on the Pome Go podcast.